You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hangtime Podcast. Joining us now, comedian Chelsea Peretti, NBA All-Star Roy Hibbert. Roy is our nation's most treasured actor. He's got chops, he's got talent, and he also has three tickets to Lakers. <laughs> With your host, Galliop Anderson, stops it now behind his head. Seku Smith, Lang Whitaker, and Rick Fox. Our next guest should have been our first guest, Isaiah Thomas. How do you think you would play in today's NBA with the rules the way they are? Be honest. Uh, <laughs> we will win a lot. <laughs> and it's, it's our main man, Roderick Turner from the Los Angeles Times. Hey, too, can I say this first? <laughs> you know you when can. When I was covering the Lakers, when Rick Fox played, I had hair. They wore me out. Now it's time for the tip-off. Lang, it's, it's 2016. I, I think we're down for like a... A new intro to the Hangtime Podcast. We got to come up with like a new beat. Uh, I don't know. We can't get rid of Bo. He's like a celebrity now. No, no. Bo. Bo needs to remain. I mean, he's definitely the voice of of the Hangtime Podcast intro. But we got to come up with like a a funkier, funkier intro music remix. Yeah, like a, I don't know. We got to get uh, a hotline uh, hotline bling <laughs> remix. <laughs> Podcast bling. The podcast bling remix. Seku Smith from the Hangtime Blog at NBA.com with my main man, Lane Whitaker from the All Ball Blog. Uh, cranking it up here. Uh, Rick Fox is. Rick Fox, is, Rick Fox got his passport stamped. Um, if you're in London and you see a tall guy with uh, curly hair, at least last time, I saw him Saturday night, he had curly, curly hair and a goatee. If you see him walking the streets of London, uh, walk up to him and say, hang time, son. Why aren't you at work? Hey, hey, you can't spell where the heck is Rick Fox without Rick Fox. <laughs> but uh, he's missing all the fun uh, being over there with the global games uh, in London. Uh, Brooklyn's in the house. Oh, man. As you well know, that's your second home now. Uh, Spent too much time in their house the last <laughs> two weeks. Billy King reassigned. Lionel Hollins out as head coach. Um, Mikhail Prokhorov, I love that line in, in your piece you wrote the other day about him saying, you know, honestly, I think I deserve a championship. <laughs> I was like, what? He said he deserves it more now than he did. Yeah, he deserves one him. more now than he did. I was like, huh? <laughs> I mean, is it, was that lost in translation or? I, I mean, mean, his point was that he uh... – he he's he suffered enough, and he's, he's, he tried pretty hard the last six years or five years to, you know, because he bought the team 
it's going on six years ago now. And he said in the next five years, we're going to win a championship. And right. uh, if you look at where they are now, they're about as far away from a championship as, as is possible. And uh, they kind of have to hit the reboot button. I saw today that Billy King traded 11 first round picks. Wow. During wow. his time. Well, by by Prokhorov's logic, I I deserve the Powerball then, I, because I forgot to go buy a ticket. Five years ago, I said I was going to hit the Powerball when it got up to one point five billion dollars, <laughs> and here we are. Um, I, listen, I don't know what he thought he was getting into, you know, in the NBA, but just because you spend a ton of money and you want to win a championship, well, join the party, son. There's twenty nine other teams who you know, owners who have done the exact same thing and want to win a championship. But you don't – I mean, I don't understand why Mikhail Prokhorov or anybody else affiliated with the Nets assumes that they deserve a championship now more than they ever did just because they want one. I yeah. mean, I don't I don't get that. They uh, – I mean, I, I get his enthusiasm and his excitement. For, and I think it's, if you're a fan, when he came in, um, you know, this is a team that was sort of – sort of floating a little bit and they were you knew they were going to move from New Jersey to Brooklyn and right. um you didn't really know what the future of the team was and I mean and some of the stuff they did it just in a vacuum sounds like like if you can get Darren Williams when he's at kind of the height of his game that's a pretty good move and Joe Johnson was playing pretty well when they got him from Atlanta and KG and Paul Pierce and you know but they didn't really put together a culture it was just yeah. players and and names and there was no and it's you know it's sort of ironic that in a, a borough known for a culture that they didn't have that and they still kind of don't. Um, so yeah. that's what I think the next whoever the new GM and the new coach end up being. That's what that's what they really they have to build this thing from the ground up. Yeah, and I and I'm I'm sure it's driving. You know, Nets Nets fans. I mean, I guess yeah, whatever their fan base is in Brooklyn. It's got. It's probably driving them crazy. They got a fantastic arena. Yep. Um, and you know, in the chic hipster <laughs> spot, you know, in the tri-state area, and they got a basketball team that's like you said at, at ground zero. He um, he said, Prokhorov said during this press conference, he was like, "Look, we we've got an awesome arena. Um, they have a new practice facility that's opening up. I think in February on mm-hmm. the, on the waterfront. That's a, like their own place. That's supposedly incredible. Right. Um, they have their own D League team that's starting play. Um, you know, they, they're going to have forty million dollars under the cap to spend coming up. Um, they just they but you know they don't have their own. They don't control their own first round pick until twenty nineteen. Um, <laughs> so that works against them. There'll be a new stadium, new NFL stadium in LA by then. <laughs> I mean, that's, by the time they get back into business, so yeah. they they listen. They took the risk, you know. They gambled, and and I always give teams, organizations credit for you know for for dreaming big and ch- and chasing you know big things and taking that risk. But this is the the downside of that risk. Yeah. Of it, you know. I mean, the the chance that it goes terribly wrong and you end up firing people reassigning people and and dealing with this so and this is like worst case scenario yeah this is as bad as it possibly could (laughs) turn out they went full in like it it's not like when when joe dumars signed uh uh ben gordon and villanueva and right you know to long term like i that 
that kind of put Detroit in a bad place for a while, right? Yeah, that was on the heels of winning and com- winning a championship and competing for championships. Yeah. But that's not I mean, but that's a situation where, you know, hey, we will make some trades and maybe we get out of this and it it's not a thing where it affects your future four years into the <laughs> you know, like after you right. decide to make a change, you know, it it's it, that what they did was they they not only went in head first, they dove in up to their heels and um now they're they're really having to pay the pay the piper for what they did. What's uh, I mean you live in the New, yeah. in New York. What's the what is the mood of people up there in terms of how they feel about that franchise because quite frankly Lang you are a lifelong fan of a franchise that was at this point in its history here recently and and we both obviously watched them you know uh rise from that. Um and our and our guest this week on the Hang Time podcast is a guy who has lived through that as well. Um, Dominique Wilkins, the Hall of Famer, is joining us this week. Surprise, Lang! Happy birthday, Neek! Um, you know, love to reunite the the two biggest Hawks guys I know. That's right. <laughs> um, Neek, we're, we're talking about Brooklyn and just the situation they're in and the rebuilding. You've watched the Hawks franchise attempt to rebuild that way, um, you know, and, and do it successfully. How do you, how do you look at an operation like Brooklyn and, and see the light at the end of their tunnel? Well, I think their first problem was is that they built the team with a lot of veterans that, you know, towards the end of their career. And I don't think they had enough um, youth around them. You know, right. because when you have that many young guys, you got to have some. You got you, you got to have. First of all, you got to have seasoning with the team, and I believe in veterans. You can't win without seasoned vets. But you also have a nice blend of young guys who can carry that torch after those guys start to move on. I thought that that team was just a bad mix of guys. Mm-hmm. Nick, we saw we saw the Hawks rebuild, and you know they they. Sort of the Billy Knight way was to try to do it through the draft, and and that takes a a really fine uh, fine line. You can't really make a, a swing swing and a miss in the draft. You have to draft correctly. And then Danny Ferry has kind of done it through trades and free agency, sort of a mix of all those things. Um, when when he was rebuilding the team, what what do you think um, about the way uh, going forward for the Nets? You think? You know they don't own their draft. They don't control their own draft pick since 2019. Um, they've got some money under the cap. How do you think if if you're taking over a franchise like that, what do you do to to get that team back to relevance? Well, they got to get some more youth from that team, no question. Uh, not to have draft picks for you know until 2019. That's 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 a, that's a big issue. But at the same time, you got some money to work with, and you can get some some young quality veterans that come in on that team to be a nice mix there. I, I think you just have to, especially up front, you have to get a couple of younger guys up front. And then you got Brook Lopez, who I absolutely I love the way he, he plays. And you still got a pretty young big man and, and Brook. But um, I just think you just got to keep your core guys together and you got to add around them with some solid veteran players. Mm. Nick, it's, Particularly it's... young veteran players. Right. It's interesting, Nick. So many of the guys who were your contemporaries in terms of guys you competed against when you were playing, you know, at the height of your career are now 
executives around the league or, you know, either coaching, uh, like obviously your former teammate, Doc Rivers. Larry Bird had some interesting comparisons between the 86 Celtics and, and the reigning champs in today's NBA and, and the, the pace setters in the Golden State Warriors. And I'm wondering, and it, they were all complimentary comparisons. He didn't really get into whether his team was better or, you know, what that – he just kind of paralleled them and talked about the things they've done that are similar. When you look at today's game and and reflect on the area you played in, how do you stack these teams up? Like, how would you stack a team like the Warriors up against the best of the best in your day? Well, well, well it's hard comparisons. And personally, I'm not one to really like comparisons. But mm-hmm. you look at that Boston team, there's five Hall of Famers on that team. Right, yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, I mean a lot of people like this like to kind of step softly around the subject, but that Boston Celtics team was a, was a super team. I mean, and a lot of people don't want to call it what it is, but it was very tough to beat. I don't care what team you put in front of them. I mean, that team was, believe me, I played against that team. Yeah. And I can tell you that that team was no joke. First of all, you had one of the greatest players in the world, Larry Bird, and then you had two the four other Hall of Famers on that team at Parrish and Dennis Johnson and Kevin McHale. And these guys. I mean, it's a hard team to beat because, first of all, they were very smart, very skilled, and very physical. <laughs> you know, um, the teams today don't play with that type of physicality. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it is what it is. Right. Um, another thing about, yeah, I know you talked about, you know, comparing errors and stuff. One thing, I was just I I've heard you talk about this on games before when when you're announcing the the Hawks games. Um, what do you think about the way players today train with each other, like during the off season and things like that? You know, you guys had these sort of uh, fight to the death <laughs> rivalries back when you played, and now it seems like everyone's buddies and everyone's friends. And and what do you what do you make of that? I would have never went and trained with anyone. <laughs> <laughs> never, ever, ever, ever. Uh, because I don't want another player knowing what I do that. You know, I'm trying to attack him. I'm trying to come at you, you know. I'm trying to kick your butt. I don't want you doing everything I do. Uh, so, we no, we didn't do any of that. We you know what we did. This is what we did. We went away to play basketball against one another. We didn't go train. Mm-hmm. That was the difference. You know, I had games in Atlanta. Moses had games in Houston. Magic had games in L.A. So, we would travel around and play in these games. It was about competing against one another, not training with one another. Right. Nick, uh, I know, you know, you, you're obviously watching the Hawks uh, closely every day, but you also see the rest of the league. What is your take on who's a legitimate challenger to the Warriors this year in terms of knocking them off and, and keeping them from repeating as champs? I mean, I, I know everybody looks at the records. You know, you see San Antonio – you see Cleveland in the East, but I mean, is there a larger group out there you think that's chasing oh, I, that championship? I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you like this. If, if you're forced enough to get to that level, anybody can be beat mm-hmm. once you get to that level. Um, and so there are teams, Cleveland is definitely a team who can win. San Antonio is definitely a team who can win. Um, you have other teams that kind of lurking around there. I mean, you can't count out the Clippers. You can't count out the uh, – um, Oklahoma mm-hmm. can't count off the Hawks. I mean, you got other teams that are playing well. Um, but if, you, if you're fortunate to get to the Eastern Conference 
final or the Western Conference final, anybody can be beaten on any given series. Hmm. Nick, uh, I'm not going to let you come on our podcast without talking about the Hawks. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, the thing to me that I've noticed about them this year is that the only thing consistent about them is their inconsistency. Um, you know, they'll they'll lose back-to-back games against the Knicks, but then blow out a team like the Bulls. Um, what what do you make of this Hawks team this year? You know, coming off that season they had last year, is this a team that is better than they were a year ago? Uh, well, you know what, I think so because now we have a target on us. And so teams, teams are not taking us lightly, and they're coming out to play, which is a great thing. But, uh, again, you know, this, this this league is about momentum and runs, you know, and, and sometimes you get a cold spot. We had a couple of cold spots, but we were able to bounce back and, and start back playing the type of basketball that we are accustomed to playing. That's moving the basketball, playing good, hard, gritty defense. And our defense actually is, is getting a lot of our wins for us because it's creating a lot of turnovers that we're capitalizing on. So, yeah, I like the way we're playing right now. Dominique Wilkins, the Hall of Famer, joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast. Um, Nick, I know you, you said you don't like making comparisons, and I get that. Um, but I'm wondering if, with the perspective you have now of the league and, and how things are done, what kind of advice would 56-year-old Dominique Wilkins give 26-year-old Dominique Wilkins about how to attack his career. And, I, I mean, that's crazy. You, you Obviously a Hall of Famer, you know, a, a studded career. So it's not like I, – I mean, I don't know what more you could have done, but what would what would wise old Neek tell young Neek about how to attack his career? Well, I, I, I would look at it one or two different ways. The first thing I would say, you know what, maybe get another player – um, that I could depend on, could take some of the pressure off. I never really played with a great player in their prime. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the things um, would be slightly different. Um, the, the other thing is that, you know, when I look at my career, I don't really look at something as a player I would have done differently because, again, I was able to do it all. Right. And the thing that I don't see enough of is a guy attacking you. You know, my whole objective was to get a foul on another great player because now I created advantage for myself because he's going to play me as hard in that first quarter. <laughs> and so if I can, can create that advantage early in games, now I can play that guy like a puppet any way I see fit. But I just don't see enough of that type of mentality. Mm-hmm. But my mentality is to keep you on your heels at all times. My, my I wouldn't change that. Right. My other advice for young Nick was – don't let Cliff Levingston take the shot in Game Seven against the <laughs> Celtics in the '88 playoffs. <laughs> uh, let's hope Cliff Levingston is not li- listening to the uh, podcast. He missed a shot. He can't be upset about it. Slap Lang next time he well, sees him. He wasn't him. supposed to get that shot. All right. Okay. <laughs> um, you mentioned the Hawks, Lang and, and Neek. The other night, they pl- had a really interesting game against the Chicago Bulls. Um, to me, one of those statement games, you know, where you're dealing with another team that fancies itself a contender. Um, and we saw some of the best basketball from Al Horford that I can remember seeing in a long time. I mean, just all it's over probably, the place. What, what, what's I, the, I, I think from the best, from the all-around standpoint, probably one of the best games. Yeah, I mean, what, no what do you think is – and, and – Nobody talks about it around here, but Al is going into a summer where he's going to be a free agent and the future of his career is really going to be in the balance. What do you think is going through his head throughout the course of this season just in terms of 
how he plays and making sure he takes care of himself given his injury history with the you know two torn pec muscles well 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 you know it's hard to, to gauge how a player is feeling what he's thinking but you know al the things that he should be concentrating on is just playing the game mm-hmm. playing the game to the best of his ability and not worried about everything else but everything else is going to take care of itself right you got to make sure you take care of yourself and that's just playing the game that you love at a consistent basis each and every night. Nick, are we going to see you in Toronto uh, at All-Star Weekend? Man, I'm taking this All-Star uh, off. I'm, what? You know, this will be the first one I've had in probably about 27 years, but uh, I'm going to take a break. See, Nick, oh, I, I, think, I think you're chickening out because you know it's going to be like eight below, and uh, you don't feel like braving that cold <laughs> well, again like you know we what? did in New that's, York. That's what I was going to really say. But <laughs> My bones don't handle that cold weather too well. <laughs> My man. Dominique Wilkins joining us here. Hey, listen, Nick, we know you're busy, and we love listening to you now uh, on the Hawks broadcast, man. Um, we appreciate you, and we'll see you around the building over there at Phillips Arena. You got it, buddy. All right. Thanks, All right. man. Thanks, Nick. I love, uh, I love Nick's blunt, uh, you know, his blunt attitude about so much stuff. Like, I, And I saw him the other day. Um, during pregame, we you know we always catch him in the hallway and we'll talk. And uh, he was he was going off about being fifty five. You know he's like, man, I'm fifty five years old. You know he's like, blah blah. And I kept thinking to myself, you are you are far enough along where you could just go ahead and claim fifty six. <laughs> you know, because like his birthday was a couple days later. I was like, go ahead and claim. You know, if you're a fifteen year old and your birthday is like four days away, you you claim it sixteen, right? Right, right. And I was like, Nick, you know, go ahead and claim 56, baby. He looks great, by the way. Yeah, he looks good. I mean, the dude is in fantastic shape. Um, one of those legends and, and Hall of Famers that's, you know, you always talk about guys, man, he looks like he's still playing. I don't know that Nick can still play in the NBA, but I guarantee you he'd give you 30 at the park or at, <laughs> or at the, you know, Lifetime Fitness. Now, you don't want to – don't get it twisted. But, uh, very, you know, interesting perspective, you know, when you think about Guys from his era, and you know it's different when you're sitting at home or you run a business and you're not really connected to the league in terms of day to day having to watch teams and analyze them and, and then give it perspective based on your career and and the reason I bring that up, I saw a list flash across my TV screen this morning when I was up messing around at the house with the kids before they went to school, and it had a list of the best point guards um I think ESPN did some some deal where they asked, you know, people to rate the best point guards or they rated the best point guards. And uh, Magic was number one, of course. Um, You know, Oscar Robertson was number two. Uh, John Stockton was three. And then Steph Curry snagged the four spot on this list. And I was Uh like, and I'm, and I'm thinking in my head, like, wow, that's, that's that's a lofty position for Steph. Not that I don't think he could one day, be the guy that should be, you know, should own that spot. Who should be ahead of him? I don't know. I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like, he's had – he's only, what, 27. He's still got years to to make his case for that spot, okay. the spot higher. Here's a good question for you. Would you put Steve Nash ahead of him? No. But I, w- I wouldn't put Steve Nash ahead of Jason Kidd, and he was ahead of Kidd on that list. Yeah. I think Jason, I think Jason Kidd is one of the most underrated point guards of all time when I think about how long of a career he had, the skill he brought to the position, 
in the fact that he was a physical mismatch a lot of nights at his spot and doesn't get credit for it. Um, but Isaiah Thomas, you know, he was ahead of Isaiah as well. I don't know that I'd put Steph ahead of Isaiah right now. Mm-mm. No, sir. I wouldn't put John Stockton ahead of Isaiah. Well, we got to ask Isaiah about this. I know, and I thought about it. I'm, I'm working with Isaiah tonight. All right. So um, you know how to – if you want to get a, if you want to get something started in the production meeting around here, it's just like, yeah. you know. But I, it got me to thinking, you know, with us talking to Neek today, just how difficult is it to compare players over the – you know, like from these different eras. Like, you know, I hear people say all the time, well, Steph wouldn't have been able to do what he's doing now in a different era. And I'm like, well, you can say that about a lot of guys. I always, you it's know. always weird when you, when you stumble across footage of guys playing in like the fifties or the sixties, yeah. and it looks like a totally different game. And I don't know if that's athletic limitations or just people hadn't thought of different things to do or what, but, um, or just the way the game changes, you know? Yeah. Stylistically. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, it, I don't know. When I watch footage of those guys playing 50 years ago, I think guys who play now, like, you know, I think J.R. Smith could have gone out there and dropped 50 <laughs> on some of those guys. I mean, he can do that now in the NBA right. some nights, but, right. you know, it makes me think that, I mean, a guy, um, your boy Luke Ridnour could have been an all-star back then. Rid? Rid would have <laughs> so, been a Hall of Famer if he played in the 50s. <laughs> maybe so. I don't know. Um, you know what's funny, though? Like, Isaiah's a perfect example. Like, I hear people say now about, Kyrie Irving's handle, and they said, go back and watch some of Isaiah's old highlights. You talk about handle. <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. You know, I mean, ridiculous. And and I think when you get caught up in, in the now, sometimes the perspective, you know, is, is a little hazy. Like, I heard somebody say, like, I, I love when I hear people say, well, Magic – you know, Magic didn't really score, and you know, blah, blah, like they start trying to poke holes in Magic games. Dude, Magic's a six-nine point guard. He was right. a game. I mean, he was like the ultimate game changer in the history of game changers. So for people to like to say, well, I don't know if he'd have done what he does now. Well, I'm pretty sure he'd have been fine right. in whatever area you asked him to to play in. And I, you know, I think greatest player and most accomplished, all those things start. You have to start parsing those things as you talk about some, you know, if you want to shake down a list of the best 10 at whatever position. That's 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 a that's a great debate to have that to me you can't really have without taking about a year and locking people in a room and saying, fight right. this out, you know, like hash this out. Because like you said, where does Steve Nash go on, the, on, on anybody's top 10 list of all-time point guards? Yeah, or even like it, do it the other way and you think – Bill Russell, yeah, um, who won what eleven rings or with mm. the, the Celtics and was a, the most people say was the most dominant center of all time. And I, you know, I didn't see him play, and but I I wonder how a guy who was what six eleven and then yeah would have matched up against say Shaq. I know, I know, you loved you always get me on that Shaq would have knocked Kareem into the seventh yeah, row argument. He would have, you know, at, at Shaq. <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't like you said. It's, it's tough to. I, my thing about comparison arguments is always, I try and envision guys in their prime, like in his at his very best. How would he have fared against whatever other guy at his very best, right. like at the zenith of his career? 
Um, and that's maybe that's not a fair argument either because you're talking about the totality of a guy's career and what it means in terms of the history of this game. And I, I've heard people say that, you know, a, a true Hall of Famer is a guy who can't be left out of the story. If you tell the story of the NBA, yep. who are the guys that you can't leave out? And that, you know, determines where you fit on, on an all-time list or on in a Hall of Fame discussion. Um, I tell just the story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Steph is climbing the ladder, you know, right now, depending on what the Warriors do this season and beyond. There's no telling how high he goes. You know, there's no telling where he takes his part of the story. So it's like I said, it's just interesting um, to, you know, to talk to guys like me on a regular. And, and I know you'd see and talk to, you know, former players on the regular. It's like, I don't know that they all think about it in that capacity or, or in that context. But in our business, you know, we always have to think about like where, where now fits in the bigger picture. Um, it's just, you know, and it's just an interesting conversation. I think we need to come up with a hang time podcast list of like, we need to start hashing this out. Our, we've got to come up with our top, whatever list. I don't know if it's 10, five players at every position. All right. And that, that'll get Rick cranked up. Cause I'm sure he'll try and insert himself somewhere on that. He's going to try to put, Benoit Benjamin in that yeah. top five centers of all time list. That would mean he'd actually call in, though. Well, yeah, he's he's got an excuse this week. He's he's on foreign soil, um, which he's somehow soil. yeah, well, but somehow that didn't stop him from skunking us in bragging rights this week, which is stunning to me. It's time for bragging rights as the guys put their rep on the line. I'm not. I don't know if he deserves credit for going. You know, undefeated Three last week. Oh. That's unbelievable. It's ridiculous. Andrew, you're, you're done picking for Rick, by the way. Yes, sir. This is That's a wrap. I mean, this All is right. over. So, so here, so did you hear this? <laughs> what, are you flipping a coin in there? Exactly. That's how we're picking <laughs> games for Rick from now on. <laughs> All right, let's do it. What we got this week? Actually, right, a coin so flip Rick probably Fox has a better currently... chance of being right than us. But anyway. <laughs> Rick Fox is currently leading with Ugh. a ten and eight record. Ugh. Lang and Seku are tied for second at nine and nine. Uh-huh. First game this week will be Thursday night, Cleveland at San Antonio. Eesh. I'm taking San Antonio. Yeah, I'm taking the Spurs. That's that should be a great game though. And uh and Rick, Rick is flip the coin. Say heads is home and tails is the away team. All right. And uh that's uh heads, so that's San Antonio. Dang it. That was your chance. Damn. All right. Second game will be Friday night, Lang's Hawks at Milwaukee. I'm taking the Hawks. I feel good about that. That's them. a trap game. Milwaukee's one of those teams that will get you. They pop Chicago Tuesday night. I mean, it's, it's one of those dangerous teams. Uh, you know what? I'm going with the Bucks. I think their, their length and athleticism, as Billy Knight would say, could be a problem. You see where they got Billy Knight <laughs> flipping the coin, and Rick just picked the Hawks also. Yeah, could be a, that could be the swing. I swing know. Game. All right, last game will be Monday on TNT. Golden State at Cleveland. Mm. Woo! Rematch, Christmas rematch on Martin Luther King. That's the Martin Luther King Day game, right? Yep. Yes, sir. Nice. How about Cleveland has San Antonio and Golden State within four <laughs> four days? Yeah, and Golden State and San Antonio still got, like, you know, 
another what a week before they see each other for the first time. Let's see On who the Rick 25th. picks. Yeah, Rick Fox. Let's let Rick go first. Selects the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, I'm going with the Warriors. I, I bite the bullet this week. I think I am too. Yeah, I'm going with the Warriors. No offense. <laughs> Excuse me. No offense to LeBron, who has been uh, balling. Been good ever since Schumann pissed him off. <laughs> what? Did you see that? No. So, <laughs> you know, LeBron wasn't shooting well earlier this season. Right. And John Schumann published a little graph or something. Oh, yeah. And said, you know, LeBron's not shooting well from whatever it is outside the paint this season. And LeBron said he saw that. <laughs> he saw That's right. That thing. Called him LeBrick James, and LeBron has responded. And ever since then, LeBron's been red hot <laughs> ever since he saw Schumann's graphic. So it's all Schumann. Uh, I think Schumann said he would take a cut of the uh, – <laughs> Cut of the proceeds of the Cavs win a title now. He called him LeBrick James, and LeBron has been balling ever since. Um, that's fantastic. Yeah. We got to get John Schumann back on the podcast. He he likes to be the uh, resident contrarian. Um, <laughs> or just get him on to, to speak up for himself. Now that he... <laughs> get him and LeBron on having debate LeBron's shooting percentages. Um, He's out here firing up players. Exactly. Uh Big ups and happy birthday to the Hall of Famer and our main man, Dominique Wilkins, for joining us on the Hang Time Podcast this week. Safe travels, of course, to our our third partner in crime, Rick Fox, uh, who's got to navigate his way back from London. Lord knows where he's going to stop on his way back. Um, yeah. It's a lot of places that Rick Fox could get in trouble between here and London. So, um, Lang, I know uh, you'll be somewhere on Martin Luther King Day eyeballing some of this NBA action. Um, I plan on yeah. doing the same. And a uh, little studio work this weekend. Um, and then aren't you coming to this neck of the woods at some point in the next week or so? Next couple week and a half? Yeah, a couple weeks. I'll be down there. All right. Well, we'll uh, I'll be hanging out with Dominique. Exactly. We'll get in the studio here, and, and uh, we'll try and console our uh, super producer who's in here still dabbing his eyeballs because dab on the boys couldn't get the job done against Alabama. <laughs> Nick Saban dabbed on him with that <laughs> onside kick. It's all right, Greg. You know, nothing like safeties busting for coverage, SEC. crucial coverages in the biggest game SEC. of the year. SEC. <laughs> we'll see you next time right here on the Hang Time Podcast. Later. SEC. 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 Thanks for listening to the Hangtime Podcast. To download more episodes of the show, visit the iTunes Music Store. And be sure to check out the Hangtime blog on NBA.com. And as always, say Kuna Matata.